Hello and welcome to A Life in Music with Russell Scott. This podcast is dedicated to all you performers out there who want to be the very best you can be. Whether you're just starting out, a budding professional, just love performing, or have been professionally working in the industry for years, this podcast will help you be the very best. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget you can check out the website, alifeinmusic.com. Now, without further ado, please welcome the man himself. With over 35 years professional performance experience, 100,000 record sales behind him, and a career spanning the worlds of classical music and musical theatre, on film, on television, on radio, and on stage, this is A Life in Music with Russell Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Life in Music with Russell Scott, the podcast that is set up and dedicated to all you performers out there that want to be the very best you can be. Well, I'd like to thank you, first of all, for your continued support and subscribing to this podcast and to my blog and for all the email messages and, and, and comments and feedback I'm getting. Um, it's so positive and it's so fantastic to hear from you and to know that people are out there listening and the listener base is growing week on week. And that's really fantastic to be able to get out to more people and to share all these great interviews I'm doing and all this great material and content that I'm trying to get out there to you to help you and support you um, in, in being the very best and um, I'd like to really uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for for all your support well today we've got a great interview lined up for you now this guy is a multi-talented producer director singer and principal of the American Musical Theatre Academy of London and most recently he's opened up a brand new school in New York and I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Kenneth Avery Clark Hello, Ken. Hello, Russell. And where where are you at the moment? What are you What are you What are you doing I, this afternoon? I am sitting at the American Musical Theatre Academy in London's office, uh, in at my desk in my office with the door closed to have a conversation with you. Very good. And it's taken a little bit of time to organise this because I know you're incredibly busy, incredibly busy. So I'm I'm very grateful for your time today. Thank you. Oh, it's, I'm happy to do it. And. Um, so let's let's just sort of start by getting um, to tell you know tell people about yourself sort of where how did this all begin for you where where are you from originally and how did you get into this uh, this wonderful amazing business of ours? Uh, well, I'm originally from a small city in Nova Scotia, Canada, which is on the eastern coast. You will fly right over it if you fly to New York ever. Um, and uh, I grew up in a musical family. And uh, then went out, spent some time out west in Vancouver. And um, I was, when I was a teenager, is when I really got involved in the theater part. Um, playing instruments and singing was always what we did as kids. Um, we didn't have cable TV, so uh, that's what we did instead. You're not and, that old. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> they had cable TV. We just didn't have it. <laughs> Uh, all my friends did, uh, but my my parents were like, if you're bored, you go play an instrument, you don't watch TV. So 
that's what we did. We had two channels, so there was something to watch. But uh, so that's how it all started. And then uh, when I was in high school, I um, got hooked on musicals. And then I began working professionally when I was 15. I sort of lucked into a job um, uh, acting at a young age. So and then it, that's when it all started. And I haven't really looked back. So what you mentioned instruments and making music and so on. So how did you get it? You got into singing. But are you are you a musician as well? Do you do you play an instrument? Yeah, my parents. were. I do. I play several instruments. Um, I, my our we didn't again we we didn't have we didn't have cable TV and we also didn't have a dining room table uh, <laughs> because we had no room for it because it was filled with uh, instruments five kids we all played I played the the piano the organ the guitar the cello uh, the tuba trumpet drums uh, those were my instruments so you can imagine with everybody else's it was quite a, a busy place you had a potential orchestra. Were, yeah, well, we did. We used to do. We used to have our own, our own little uh, group, and we used to play in church and play in local community things. And you know, it was we were a whole band, and we used to get together every Sunday and Sunday evening and play. And whether I really enjoyed it then, I, I appreciate it now. I maybe didn't appreciate it as much then. But uh, my parents were musicians and and singers. And so I, I, my mother was my piano teacher, so I had no excuse. I, I had to practice because she would know. Uh, <laughs> how old, and, how old were you when you started piano? I think I was probably three. Um, I remember my first solo. I was three years old singing. Wow. So I think that's when I that's and I remember it very clearly. Uh, so yeah, that she got us right into singing three part harmony when there were just three kids um when i was that young three-part harmony we would go and sing in church and in three-part harmony when i was like you know three four five years old my sisters were a year older than me a couple years older than me and um so that's how it the, the musical bug uh, sort of took over then do you feel do you feel that it was was in you to start with or do you think do you think your parents sort of guided you into the into, into what was to become your life well, that's a really interesting question because, um, put it this way, we all had the same opportunities to learn to play instruments and sing, and and I'm the only one who did it as a career. So when you say, was it just in you, I think I think there was something in me that I, I don't necessarily think was in my other siblings. Um, I was kind of a weird child where I used to just constantly be singing and tunes going through my head and I was always moving to rhythm and music and it just and I and I play play by ear quite quite a lot I uh, my mother will say it was one of the most frustrating things to teach me how to play piano because I I would kind of memorize I'd be able to sort of remember the tune so I wasn't really reading the notes I was just playing it and she would catch me out on that all the time <laughs> But um, so it wasn't so great from a classical point of view um, when I was doing exams and all that sort of thing in piano. Uh, but it certainly came in handy when I started writing my own music and, and I could play anything I heard on the radio. I could just hear it and then just play it. So my friends, I was kind of like a, a freak show. They, the people, my sister's friends used to come over and they'd say, play this, play that from the radio. And I'd just sit down and work it out and play it. And what, and, uh, and what kept you going? I mean, what, what, what was your drive? What was your passion? What, what inspired you to, to just keep going at it? Um, do you mean after I sort of started doing it 
professionally or yeah i mean i mean you must as a child i mean we're you know i, I think often parents sort of guide their children I'd like to say into sort of having piano lessons guitar lessons singing and so on and so forth and sometimes you sort of get bored by it I know I did I mean I, I've been in music all my yeah. life and but I've but equally I was given piano lessons and I hated it I hated doing all the scales and all that sort of thing so and did I, I. And I and I I did a lot by ear as well to start with, and that's how it all started. And then I learned to read later on. But for some kids, yeah. they're sort of pushed into it at an early age, and they rebel you against know what? it. My mother made me take piano lessons, so it was one of those things. And I mean, that sounds kind of mean, but I actually think parents should do that more now because you you don't. It was just something that I had to do. It was the same as you you have to go play outside. I know things have changed now, but <laughs> uh, but you have to go after dinner, get out, you know, go play outside, get some exercise. Now you got to do your homework. Now you have to practice the piano. I probably um, I just didn't realize that I had a choice. Um, I because I, it was just something that you know again that I just it was part of the structure of me being a child that that's what you did. And I think it was like, when you got older, you could maybe decide not to as long as you're sort of under this roof, that's what you're gonna do. Yeah. Um, so did we all enjoy it? I suppose we enjoyed certain aspects of it. I'm certainly glad now, and that's why I say, I, I run into so many people who say, oh, I wished I had kept up my piano lessons when I was a kid, or I wished yeah. I had kept my singing lessons or dance lessons or whatever. Um, and I'm really glad that I didn't really have the choice to to stop doing it. But then I think it segued into me really enjoying it. And then it's then it became an addiction. Well, it certainly served you well. And, and yeah. you went on from being a child, doing all the normal kid stuff, plus all your piano and, and uh, guitar and singing and everything else. So how what happened next in terms of your sort of structure of, of moving into this professionally? Well, dinner theater is quite popular in Canada and in the United States, and there were two of them in, in Halifax, and, and they had auditions, and and my friend talked me into going. I was in grade uh, 10 or 11, and it was a summer uh, job. It was a, it, acting in, in this, uh, actually at a historic site, and it was a show, it was a dinner show, and it was a historic show. You had to sing and 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 for the audition and do a monologue and and I just went. I didn't really know what the heck I was doing as far as acting went, but I I certainly knew I could play play the piano and I played for my own audition and they needed somebody who could play the piano, so I just got my foot in the door and then I never I just never stopped. I did all of their shows and then I moved on to another dinner theater which was like the big show in town and I uh, started working there when I was seventeen. And then I became, I was on there, I, I became a member of the artistic board of that uh, dinner theater when I was 17 years old. So I was then auditioning the people of the shows and musically directing. It seems crazy now. I look back and think I was 17, but I, again, I guess I had done it all my, my life up to that point. So I kind of knew what I was, what I was doing. Um, and then I did everything I could do, so so I, I knew I had to get out. I needed to go or I was never going to, you know, go to that next level. So I hopped on a plane and I went to Vancouver. Um, I was 18 when I did that, and uh, I just remember I packed a bag. I got a one-way ticket. I went. I'd never been to Vancouver before, didn't know anybody. 
we had no internet then. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was going. And I just got on the plane and I went. And I went to a pay phone when I got to the Vancouver International Airport. And I started looking through the yellow pages to find a hotel that I could stay at that was like really cheap. It was, and I remember it was $50 a night. And I stayed there for two weeks and ate Burger King uh, <laughs> because that was what I could afford. Um, I had money saved up, but I didn't want to spend it. Um, and then I got a job within another week after that at another dinner theater in, in Vancouver. It was actually an Australian dinner theater. So that was a real hoot. Uh, and then when I was 19, I got a, I got a big tour and uh, started touring all over North America, really. And then over the next five years, I, I kind of played every small town big city you name it i played it it um, sounds a bit like a, a al jolson story <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> it, it, <laughs> slightly uh, yeah, slightly I, different but but it, it's, yeah, it's a different. similar story you know he ran he, he sort of ran off ran away and to pursue yeah. his dream you know and 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 uh, yeah, it's exactly really right. admirable and i didn't you know i didn't you know i i i just knew that i didn't want to I didn't want to end up doing the norm, whatever, whatever that was. And um, I wasn't satisfied with just achieving a certain amount of success. And I think that's one of the things that's got me where I, to where I am now is because I'm incredibly driven. And that's never stopped. And it's, uh, it, it, it just was like, I got to go to the next stage. I got to go to the next stage, you know? And so touring turns into, okay, now I need to go to Broadway. Um, which is, I guess, a dream for many Canadian and American actors. Well, for actually for lots of different people. Um, uh, and then I went to London and, uh, was opened, had my eyes open to the West end and, uh, what happened was I just, I knew I had to go to one of those places and um, I chose, I chose London. I went to, to, to New York. I did the open calls. That's a whole other story. Uh, being in New York for the first time and going and queuing up at these open auditions and running all around Manhattan trying to get to the next one so you could get a number. And, uh, and I got recalled uh, um or callbacks, as they call it, um, in, in New York, uh, a couple of times, but I was only there for a week, so I didn't even get to go to my callbacks. I had my plane ticket back. I had to go. So I thought, no, I can do it in New York. I really can. But when I, when I was in London, I felt like it was a place I wanted to live more than, than New York. I thought New York was too hard for me, I think, because I was a you know, from a small town, it was just a bit too scary. London was a little bit more laid back. So I chose London and I just was, so then, then once I made that decision, I, uh, it, it was just, that's my, now my dream is to get onto the West End stage. And, uh, so, and that happened after about a year and a half, I think, after I moved here. Uh, got my first West End show. So what did you do? Did you did you get yourself an agent? Obviously, you didn't go through the normal sort of theatre school route and no, training and I, so on. I went to an open call. Now, they people say, uh, people say, you know, open calls, oh, you know, they, they don't usually work out, which is true, because um, I think a lot of creative uh, 
teams are, are looking to see what's out, sort of seeing what's out there. They're, they're not like casting their whole show with an open call because of course they've got tons of agents who have people with experience and good CVs and have done West End and that sort of thing to see. But it was Pippa Alien. She was casting The Lion King. And I was here when that originally, when it was coming to London. So that's 90, I want to say it's 92. Uh, no, maybe not that long. It, it, uh, I don't remember now. Sorry, don't quote me on that. I can't remember when it was. It's all a blur now. Yeah, it would have been a year <laughs> or two after, I think, because I think the yeah, film came out about 91, years, 92. Maybe so. a couple of years after. But um, I was on holiday in London, and I always have my sheet music in my suitcase, right? Because that's what you do when you're an opportunist looking for that <laughs> next break. And um, I queued up. I went in. I sang. I did a great audition. And uh, Pip Alien said, um, do you live here? And I said, I'm in the process of moving here, um, even though I, I wasn't quite yet. Um, and I would come probably a year later. Uh, and she said, well, call me when you get here, when you move here, and um, we'll see where we go. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I, I just didn't really know what, what she, she meant by that. I mean, obviously, I knew it was good. So before I went back to Canada, I phoned her, and she actually took my call, uh, which was amazing. <laughs> and she said, you have to have an agent here. You, you need to get an agent. And she gave me a list of about 10 agents that she went through. Um, and I thought, oh, gee, this is just, this is just, this is easy. Um, wrong. Uh, I then moved about a year later and, and she said, you can use my name. Um, so I wrote to all of them and I only had one person contact me. <laughs> and, uh, and then I sent them a, a CD first of me singing, and they and they said we've decided not to pursue it further. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be harder than I thought. So I just started frantically writing to more agents, and because I had one of the biggest casting agents in London as a sort of a someone I could put on the old covering letter, it led to who would eventually be my first agent, and uh, and and so so that's how it that's how it happened. And I got my agent, Jane, who was with me for, oh, she, she was with me for for years. And um, then uh, we, it was about a year and a half later, I got my first West End show. I spent the whole year and a half thinking she was going to drop me uh, because I wasn't getting parts. Um, but uh, I didn't have to worry because eventually I got a job. Do you think, do you think, positivity plays a big part in all of this i mean you you it's you, you're making this sound incredibly easy and you are probably one of the most experienced uh people i know in terms of having exposure across so many different creative aspects of uh, the musical theater industry which is why i'm so interested in talking with you and why we've worked together a couple of times and yes. i i i that's one of the things i love about you is that you are very very positive very energetic very entrepreneurial i kind of think we have a, a huge similarities between us in in our upbringing and 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 our style of working and our ethics and i but but equally i think you you you're making it sound incredibly easy and i think this is one of the hard industries in the world and you you're absolutely right uh things that you just said yes we, there are very um many similarities in, in both our lives uh i i i'm I, it sounds easy russell when i'm saying it even 
I know it wasn't easy. I, it was completely the opposite to that. Um, I, but just to get to not lose your 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 question about positivity, I decided one day that I was going to stop living my life for everybody else. So that really helped me a lot because I was always, I was a middle child. I was always the peacekeeper. I still kind of am uh, <laughs> in family and that sort of thing. But um, I, I just took the pressure off and went, you know what? I, I need to live my morals and my values and, and I have to to make other people have the same ones. I, I have to try to stop trying to, to, to get people to, to, you know, be on my side and, and you know, be, be like me. Um, I, I had to let all that go, first of all. But the big thing that I did with all of that was I decided that I would not have any negativity in my life. Now, that's really hard to, to do, obviously, to not have any negativity. Um, I'm, and what I mean by that is not, I don't mean, um, you know, I mean, I had a lot of, you know, things happen in my my life, childhood, and, you know, some bad things. You know, it wasn't all good. Well, we all have um, So I, I, I would never change that because that makes me who I am. And I like who I am, finally. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I think that was part of it too, just, you know, sort of going, wait a minute, there's, there's, you're, you're okay. I grew up in a, you know, quite a religious family and there's you know, that whole thing where I had to figure that all out. And, and, um, and I, I, I went on quite a journey, I guess, at the same time I was trying to pursue my, my dream, if you will. Um, but I just made it, I just, I set a rule and I just went from now on, I'm just not taking any negativity. And if and and it doesn't mean again I don't have to deal with things that are hard to deal with. Sometimes I have to fire people. Sometimes I have to kick a student out of my school. Sometimes I have to have those awkward conversations. I don't mind having that because that's part of the job. But I want to be around people who uh, bring me something positive. And I believe that you're a product of your environment. And if your environment's good, then good things will happen. And and if it's not good then, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, hang around with successful people and it'll probably rub off on you. Hang around with bums who never have any money and aren't going anywhere and you're probably not going to go anywhere. It's kind of a very simple rule to me. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me how, how the school started because I, I want to get onto this because you've, you've yes. you know, really exciting. You've, you've just opened up a second school, uh, this time in New York. So we now really do have the American Musical Theatre Academy, both in London and in New York. Yeah. And that's an yes. incredibly exciting uh, thing. And, and obviously part of your vision. Tell, tell me, how, how did you get into starting a school in the first place? I mean, you'd just done, you've, you've done the, you did the producers, if I remember, and you did Ragtime in the West End. And sort of how did yeah. that all sort of lead on to saying, right, I'm now going to be, I'm going to start a school, I'm going to be principal of this school, and I'm going to teach people how to do this properly with the right attitude, the right belief system, and I'm going to give opportunities to people. How did that all begin? Well, just you saying all that just scares me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, did I really do all that? And, and because it happened by accident it really did i was um i used to teach years ago i taught private voice and i taught some acting classes and that sort of thing and and i did have a company in canada and a performing arts school just like a stage school type thing extracurricular thing it wasn't anything huge um so i've always had that entrepreneurial bug as well um 
and I just I went to teach for um, a school in London because they they said someone phoned me up actually to cover for them and she said look I'm doing this workshop I can't do it it needs someone who can play the piano and someone who's in a West End show and I was in the producers and I just said I just said yeah I'll, yeah I'll do it and um, literally that just snowballed and and then they asked me to come in again and then they asked me to teach you know, uh, on the weekends and all this thing sort of started to, to take off whilst I was still performing. And uh, I remember I was doing Chichester. I did um, The Music Man down there and uh, it was great. Um, and that was when I was just starting to think, wait a minute, let's this, I can do this. I, I can do this. I can do this better. Um, so I started to really think about with with my business partner Christy. I started we started talking about it, and she said, "You know, what are you waiting for? You keep talking about it." And I said, "I'm I'm I'm waiting because I'm scared." <laughs> and uh, I I I'm scared to do this. And um, but then I just got past it and went, "You know what?" you can do this and you you will do it like you do everything their failure is not an option it's absolutely plan a all the way um it it has to work and um and what happened was we were trying to think of a name and i was pretty certain that nobody would go to a school called the kenneth avery clark musical theater school so i knew i had to come up with something that was going to be uh put us give us this sort of competitive edge and and i just remembered sitting in a dressing room and hearing my my peers sort of saying oh they're all saying oh i want to work on broadway i want to work in new york and all my friends in new york all want to come here they all want to work in london and i thought gee if i could that's the angle that's the angle to give the student absolute uh foundation and and, and an understanding of how creative teams work on both sides of the pond because I had gone through that process where I've done a lot of American transfers that have come over, obviously, because I have the accent. Um, they come over and they're the you're auditioning for the Americans. And it's like, oh, that's different to auditioning for the Brits. So my thinking was if I could give the students that real taste of America, of how they do things, i.e. by taking them to New York to train over there halfway through their year, then they would be getting so much more than any other drama school. And I think a better all rounding um, experience. So that's how it started. And that's where the American Musical Theatre Academy came from. And we had to tag on of London because I wanted people to know that we were we were actually in London, not have a bunch of people going, oh, they're, they're in America. I can't go there. So. Uh, and then we got, we started up with, um, I think we had 17 or 19 students our first full-time year, which was amazing. And uh, and then we've grown from there. We're in our seventh year here. And we always had it in the cards to do, to do New York. And then I spent a lot of years being scared to do that. Um, and then I got over it. And... And this year was the year to to make that happen, and it just made made sense so much sense on paper to have a school where we brought our students over to London um, halfway through, and they get this cultural sort of exchange kind of thing as well. Um, and uh, and so we've just opened our doors in in New York, so it's really really exciting. And and again, going back to was it easy? No. Uh, 
what happens when you become more and more successful, yes, you reap some of the, the rewards, obviously, but you also have greater responsibilities. And uh, so, so that's the hard part because you're no longer responsible for just for your mortgage payment. Now you're responsible for other people's mortgage payments. <laughs> <Quite>. <laughs> and, and, you know, having the teacher and, and you take on all there and the, the bigger it all gets. Now you've got all the You've got all these, my, my children who are all like in their early twenties. Um, they're now all, kind of my responsibility and um so that's hard and it adds a lot of uh stress sometimes and and as i say sometimes you have to uh you got to be tough and and i think for me it's about balance sometimes i wear kenneth's ken's hat uh which is ken's big heart and how i love everybody and sometimes i have to wear the hat that's the business hat that i call uh uh, the the sort of um, it's the tough you know the tough yeah. love hat, and I've you know? I've so seen both sides I mean I've we we had the pleasure I mean I, I I'll go back a little bit we I was in, in uh, introduced to you um, had had a connection uh, having come to do one of your showcases and to uh, to be a judge on your on your on on your on your panel yeah. um, and it was amazing seeing some of uh, the students you had you had a real diverse group of students um some who were amazing actors and actresses some great singers some great dancers and then you know o over a period of time we got we, we had the pleasure of working together on godspell uh, a couple of years ago and then on tour last year and the positivity in the school is amazing and it's one of the things i love and i still am in contact with some of the students uh, at your school because they, they've done some work for me yes. and been in some of my shows but i i what i'm interested in is i i did a podcast uh, a few weeks back on the differences between between Broadway and the West End. I went over to New York right. for a few days um, and, uh, and and got chatting to some students over there and, and talking to them about the subtle differences. But you must find that there are some huge differences and you must be able to deal with that very, very uh, cleverly, I guess, because obviously you're running schools on both sides of the pond. How will you, in, how will you integrate that together to, to have the same cultural beliefs? Um. To have the same cultural, but I'm just not quite sure I understand the question. Well, it's, it, it, you know, the West End is, I think, is very different. I think the attitude of people in London towards their craft in, in the West End is very different to, to that on Broadway. And, and I think it's much harder, much harder in, on Broadway than it is in the West End to get parts to, you know, it's really dog eat dog even more so than ever, I think, over there. And how do you how do you cope between the two? How do you cope between the two and get people prepared for both sides if they're so different? Or don't well, you th do you think they're not that different? Well, there that's what I was just going to say. It's it, what you're saying is I think probably what I always thought, but actually doing it and and getting sort of immersed um, in the New York uh, culture, it. I don't know that it is it is any more difficult, um, and and you know, and and this is this is where the whole idea comes from is 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 people here think that people over there are are more dedicated and more driven and more you know yes there are differences just down to uh, we have sort of still have that kind of class system here where it's sort of like, oh, this is what I was born with, so that's what I get, you know, whereas over there you can be born in a ditch 
and you could become the president of the United States. I just think we're slightly more laid back over here. I think, yes, absolutely. Uh, not as hard. Um, but student-wise, you know, it's no di- – I thought, I wonder what the students are going to be like in New York. Are they going to be different to our students? We They still all have the same fears, the same issues, the same – you know, it, it really, they're, they're just very much the same. Um, and I think uh, for, in, in the business, as far as the, the show, show business goes – Yes, there are. Um, it, it it works. It, it works exactly the same. I, I I think just based on my experiences, maybe it is. Maybe it's more competitive. I don't know. All I know is, you know, having seen my students and my graduates go out there and fight in this industry, it's just in general a really really competitive industry where you are going to hear way more no's than you hear yeses and it doesn't really matter which side of the pond you're you're on the bottom line is they will buy into what you have to offer if they need it and it doesn't really matter what you it doesn't even really matter what your background is or you know it's like do you have what we need if so you know you're going to um probably be successful and I think it's just as simple as that. And do you find um, that, because I, I know talking to people in London, do you find, I mean, everybody, everybody in London wants to work on Broadway. Everybody's dream is to, to work on Broadway. Is everybody's dream yeah. on Broadway to work in the West End? Is it work the same way? Uh, maybe, not, maybe not everybody, but yeah, because you've got to look at it this way. I, I've got a great um, teacher over there. He's, he's just, he's amazing. He's done tons of telly. He's done... He's done. Um, he's done uh, musical theater com- comedies. He's done Broadway. He's done tours. He's done everything. And he's like, he, when our British students, or sorry, our European students, uh, go over to New York, he always says, you know, all you guys have to do is open your mouth and speak, and we already think that you're way smarter than us because <laughs> of your accent. And he's right. It's just funny the way they perceive things. It's sort of like because you have an English accent, you are way smarter than anybody here in America. You know, it's just it's just funny to hear him talk about that. Um, But he's like he said to me once, he's like, you know, do you think there's any way I'd, I'd love to move to London? And because they think I mean, musical theater started in in uh, the in the States, but they see it as, you know, people here are real actors you know that's this is where acting began you know we we know how to do shakespeare and you know all it's like the real thing and they see it as it's actually a really if you could get london on your cv your resume um you're 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 really good you're like a really good actor and uh, so a lot of people see it that way so so yes um you know, I'm sure they still think, you know, we've got the whole musical theater thing here in New York. Uh, but then there are some real stinker stinkers uh, of shows that go on to Broadway that last two weeks. And we have stinkers here, too, sometimes that don't last. Um, and we have great success stories that end up going over to Broadway and vice versa. So they're kind of on par, really, in I, my, in my opinion, just from what I've from what I've seen. Yeah, I think the industry is the same. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about perception, and it's this perception I think that the grass is always greener, and and that everything is. Right. You know, when I was talking to the students in, we we happened to to stumble upon 
uh, a couple of shows while we were in New York and just chatting to people in the in the queue and talking to some students and they were like oh my god you're from London I want they were musical theatre students I want to be you know I want to be on the stage in the West End and and they're thinking that it's better 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 but actually it's the same thing just in a different place with a slightly different culture and I oh. think and I think the I, I think that's a, a misconception, really, that they think it's different because the industry is the same. Really, that I think the the, the world is getting uh, the world of musical theatre is getting smaller because a lot of producers from the UK are now producing in in uh, in Broadway and vice versa. Shows are, are flipping back and forth across the pond, and I think. I think we, we're becoming much more diverse as a country in our shows. We're not just using British people and the Americans are not just using Americans. Um, and I think it's getting smaller. It's, the industry is getting smaller and the shows are getting much more integrated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, again, you know, we have a lot of uh, opportunities for black actors here currently. There's a lot of shows um, that are struggling to cast um, uh, and, and in New York, I mean, already I've got two people because of course there's way more, uh, uh, black actors in, in the States than there are here. So they've got more competition over there than they do here. Yeah. So, but I'm already talking to, uh, one of the big casting agents here, uh, to get two of my black students from New York to be, uh, seen while they're here. Because I know, as you say, it's starting to get a bit more like they are looking out. And there, there is a case for going, well, look, we just don't have enough people here that can do these jobs. So, so I'm looking for opportunities for my, for my students wherever I can. So that's one thing that it's sort of the, you know, the tie, the, it's the, you know, we're bridging a tie here. And I think, as you say, even with like, you know, social media and, you know, where we're going, where the world is becoming, you know, a, a smaller place really, I think is true. And you've got people going, I've got friends going back and forth all the time. I yeah. ran into one when I was in New York and I was just like, I did Chichester with him and I'm just like, he's doing a show on Broadway. I'm like, I didn't even know that. What, how did you get here? What happened? And, and it's, and into another um, uh, friend of mine just on the street and she was doing uh, a gentleman's guide over in, on Broadway. And I was like, I didn't even know that. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's a small, it still is a very small, uh, small world. Uh, it is. Business. Yeah. And I remember uh, when you're in it, when you're not in it, it's a huge world that you think you can never get your foot wet. And that's brilliant. Uh, that's really brilliant because I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really fantastic analogy. I uh, uh, What I'm interested in is, is that when when we were casting Godspell, we, we saw yeah. sort of 600 plus people over the course of yeah. a few weeks from, you know, one-to-one -one auditions and private auditions and open calls. And we did everything. We were struggling to the point where I was speaking to some people in the US about bringing yes. them over to fill yeah. the role because we couldn't find the people we wanted we we luckily did in yeah. the end but it is very tricky it is very very hard to uh, to cast and you've cast as well as directed tell us a little bit more about sort of your directing skills as well um i've done a lot of directing it's people always ask me um what do you prefer to do more acting or directing and really i i love them both just as as much as the other because it they're basically they um they have different rewards um when you perform you get that sort of i don't know that feeling of i don't know if it's acceptance or what it is that applause and all that when you're directing you sit 
in the audience and you watch people enjoy something that you kind of brought together and that just brings that's just so rewarding in a way i think it's even maybe even more rewarding um because of that it it it's um it, it's it again it's <laughs> again it's kind of scary you know because you're like oh if they don't like this it's my fault it's nobody else's fault it's it's my fault and that's a lot of pressure but then i guess that's what i've always done in my life i've always been in those sort of high pressure you know go big or go home um and i think uh but i but i so i love that but then i always go back to the the performance bug i i have i have that and and now i have a uh, a different thing which is when my students are successful i feel like i'm successful so it, it's it's a great feeling when they go on to, to to do something really big and that's really exciting so um but as far as directing goes i've i've done i i really enjoyed that that press and um and uh and i'm a bit obsessive compulsive so i think that <laughs> helps me to really create this picture that's tight you know and and secure and 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 that's uh, usually what the end result is with me well i i, I think I, I think you're a very inspirational leader and i think you are very much uh, like myself very much a perfectionist and i think that you you do want everything to be as perfect as it can be you want people to be the best they can be and i think that that's a good reason why you're you're running two very successful theater schools i think because you want the best out of people you want them to deliver the best they can and you inspire them to do so um and i and i i love that about you ken i think it's 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 really amazing oh thank you that's um, nice so just to finish up um i'm going to ask ask you this give give the people out there the people that are actively looking to make this the the core of their life the thing they do forever that they want the longevity in having an amazing career in this industry what are your top three tips uh top three tips um just make sure you don't wake up one day when you're 60 and have regrets that's one thing and um, what I mean by that is go and take the action necessary, uh, find out whether this is really for you um, so that you can go, do you know what? At least I am not sitting years from now going, I wish I had done that. I wish I had given it a go. I wish I had auditioned for drama school or I wish I had gone to that open call. Like you don't want to have regrets. That's one thing. Okay. Number two. Uh, number two would be to not take your eye off the goal. Get your head up, get it off of Facebook, get it off of the screen, look around, look at people, watch people, observe people, um, and, and just try to have balance in your life. And I'm talking about all tips that have nothing to do with uh, uh, being good at singing or dancing or acting, but talent is really so important, yes, but it's all the other stuff that's actually more important. Um, and that is to have a happy life, to have balance in your life, to, you know, I always say, no matter how busy I am, and I mean, I was in Rome last weekend, I'm going to New York again on Monday, I'm traveling a lot, but when I'm here, I still take my dog for a walk. 
even though we have a dog walker during the day, I, I still, I give attention to my partner, to my dog, to my, to my, my personal development, to my personal growth, to resting, to napping, to getting up and when I don't want to and, and going out and do it's, it's that side of it. That is probably the most important thing about following you know, what you're passionate about or whatever it is that you decide you want to do. Um, so it's 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 about about taking action and not dreaming about it. I always say dreaming is the easy part. Yeah. Uh, I tell my students that we can all dream about it. It's that you take. It's that's the only thing that's going to get you where you want to go. So I think I've said three things there. I think that was two. <laughs> I think. I think that was two. Two. Give me the third, third and last tip. Um, and then the third, you, you have to be, you can only be your next best. Um, many people look at someone else and they go, oh, I want to be like that. And, and you know, it, we, we all have our next step. Um, and I think that, a, a good piece of advice because sometimes it's sort of the same thing as it's sort of like I don't want it tomorrow I want it now it's so but you can have a bit of it you can have go up to this next level um, and uh, and I think it's about it does come to comparing yourself to other people we, we all do it we all have that voice in our head uh, we just learn how to put that voice up uh, at times and uh Finally, I'll say that if you don't feel yucky, you're not growing. Uh, if you feel comfortable all the time, you're not growing. You're not going to the next level. You're just staying put. Um, if you want to grow and you want to go go there, or this level, you have to feel uncomfortable because that means you're stepping out of your comfort zone and and as long as you feel uncomfortable, because people think, oh, no, I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. You have to feel uncomfortable to, to get better. Yeah. So embrace that and use it. Yeah, great. Well, Ken, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's been a real pleasure. And you, you've you've filled the program with some amazing, uh, amazing experience and amazing tips and, and uh, guidance. And uh, thank you so much uh, for, for all your inspiration. Well, that was my interview with Kenneth Avery Clark. And you can find out more about Kenneth and his amazing schools in London and New York at www.theamta.com. And that's it for this edition of my podcast, A Life in Music. And don't forget to please check out the website at www.alifeinmusic.com. Subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to the newsletter. And I will keep you informed of what's happening at this end. Until next time, don't forget, be your very best. Hey!